0: Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com/4keys. Use the number 4, K E Y S. That's unmistakablecreative.com/4keys and download your free copy.
1: Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues
0: Get started today at plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash loss.
3: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com perfect perfectmanicure. Manny 20 for 20% off your first system. That's olivanjune.com slash PerfectManny20 for 20% off your first system.
0: As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community. And that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. Remember, folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips.
4: I had never defined what I wanted on my own terms. And that started to get me thinking. It's like, how many of our goals that we're working towards are actually defined by us from our lived experience, Like, things that we know add value to our lives, things that we know make us curious and engage us. And for me, the answer was not much, you know? Like, I I, I had inherited my goals from, if you will, the media, from my culture. And in some cases, sure, that's fine. But, you know, it's like, you know, get a million dollars, or even worse, like, when you're rich, you'll be happy, right? It's like, okay, let's play that out for a second. How do you define rich, right? What what amount of money is that? What freedom does it buy you exactly? And when you start thinking about things that way, they start seeming kind of impossible.
5: They think that like one person is their path. You were saying about one those people losing uh-huh. all their friends um, when they meet someone. I think that's really problematic because your person can't be your everything that's um, not going to realistically fulfill you and you know given just the the prevalence of relationships ending it seems like a really poor investment to like take all your let's just say metaphorically take all your your diverse portfolio and put it into one risky stock seems pretty crazy so when we settle we're sort of avoiding um experiencing our emotions and letting them be informants in our life we're sort of choosing like a lower dose of pain right now that's creating a long-term dose of pain and um, science is increasingly showing that something called experiential avoidance which is like basically avoiding our experiences um, is really kind of at the root of a lot of problems so values is sort of like how you show up and a goal is what you get Um, and so if you like you know value being loving um, and a goal is getting a second date um those two things might not be at odds because you know you can act in a way that's not kind and get another date, but you, uh, um, or if you value learning, you know, and the goal is to get a good grade, those things might be at odds. And the thing that's um, inspiring is that the values are within your hands, and you you know you choose. You can only choose how you show up, and you can't necessarily like. Um, guarantee that you're going to get your goals regardless and so I think it's really empowering when people feel like things are out of their hands to really think about like what do I want my life to stand for how do I want to show up and that's much less anxiety provoking than worrying about does this person like you it's like your business is your business it's how like what you're bringing to the table and um how you're behaving and that's empowering and so um all, all in all in our life, I think, you know, it's so tempting to, like, judge ourselves based on how we perform at work or how much money we make or um, who likes us and, you know, what promotion we got. But I think if we really shift gears and focus on um, how we're behaving in our character and that trumping sort of all else, um, that's really, like, a much freer space to live in. It'll work for you long term.
6: Well, I think I'd lost myself in the search for love, right? I'd really felt like I'd I'd had this amazing, incredible humanitarian career. And then I came back to New York and I was so single-minded about meeting someone because I felt I had to meet someone by a certain point. And I just, I didn't like who I was becoming because it was so, it wasn't really who I authentically was. It was like being so ambitious about it and so focused and then like letting everything else that was rich in my life kind of fall to the side. So I think that that, was when I realized when I stopped liking myself and I was like, God, my conversations are really uninteresting. I mean, I like lived in Ethiopia and here I'm like talking about guys all the time. It's like so boring. And my best friend actually told me that she's like, you know, that's all you talk about now. And I'm like, oh yeah. So when I decided to give it up, I think it was more, who am I? It's not that we should lower our expectations, but know that love is it's just such a different it's there's infatuation. There's a, the love that's like the truth in being with someone who shares your vision of the world, who you can be your authentic self with, who understands mm-hmm. you, um, who supports you and your your dreams. I mean, I think those are the things that are important to look for, right? As opposed yeah. to just that that feeling that we you know we see in Hollywood films that love at first sight. Mm-hmm. It's like, is this person yeah. aligned with who I am and who I want to become? Because ultimately. You know, you want to spend time with someone who's going to help you continue on your path and vice versa, right?
7: Well, late bloomer strengths include things like curiosity. The late bloomer tends to have more curiosity than the early bloomer. What happens to the early bloomer can best be understood from a conversation I had with Carol Dweck. Carol Dweck, of course, is the Stanford psychologist, wrote a best-selling book called Mindset. Satya Nadella at Microsoft, has everyone at Microsoft read Mindset. Once people discovered that this great CEO, Satya Nadella, was making people read Mindset, Mindset was read by everybody, and it became a, a bestseller. Well, Carol teaches freshman psychology at Stanford. She said that the, uh, that the freshmen she sees today, too many of them are, in her words, exhausted and brittle. They don't want to mar their perfect records. In other words, by Carol Dweck's description, that these are kids who fall into a fixed mindset. They've been so conditioned to be rote learners and to perform to other people's expectations. They essentially have been asked to trade their curiosity for focus. And then they find their curiosity is depleted. So late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. They have better a late blooming skill is equanimity. That's the ability to stay calm under pressure. But the relationship between money and happiness is clear, and that is there is a relationship. From kind of zero income to call it $100,000, there's a direct correlation between that income and your happiness. People who make $80,000 a year are much happier than people making thirty. But once you get to a point where you have a certain level of housing Opportunities, financial security can absorb a healthcare scare, have enough money to take vacations. In St. Louis, that's 80 grand a year. In Manhattan or San Francisco, that's at least five or 600 grand a year. So a lot of it's where you live. But once you get to that point, happiness and income flatline. And that is, there's no correlation. Now, my advice around money and happiness is yeah, in your 20s and 30s, bust a move. Be very focused on getting to that number. And that number is a function of where you live, your expectations, the kind of lifestyle you want to and It's important to get to that number. But once you get to that number, happiness is driven by other things, not an increase in your income. There are definitely um,
8: stories and mythology that this country has woven around Black men. And there's um, mythologies and stories that have been woven around black women as always being caregivers and always taking care of everybody because we literally have taken care of the world. Maya Angelou said something pretty harsh in the 70s on an interview. And she said, you know, black women have literally nursed this country. We, we nursed literally at our breasts white men who we knew then would grow up and kill our sons. And for me, that right there is in, a, in a very painful heart to hear, nutshell, is life for Black women in this country.
9: Addressing and pulling the covers off of mental health in our community, I am just seeing so much more momentum over the years around this because to be Black in America As James Baldwin uh, uh, said, and I'm paraphrasing, is uh, almost to be in a constant state of rage. And so we need to be champions and be able to share our vulnerability as black men and to say, you know what? It is okay. You know what? You don't tell a eight year old boy, don't cry and act like a man. He's eight years old. He's supposed to cry. It's okay to cry, and so what I am seeing um, just across the country, with so many of my peers and the next generation, that it is okay to be emotionally uh, uh, vulnerable. And part of our work, we launched three, four years ago, BMA Health and Healing Strategies, where we are addressing the health, healing, and wellness of the leaders. So many of our leaders came to us and said, I am depressed, I am stressed out, I have been thinking about suicide. And we said, wow, this is the cavalry, right? These are the leaders, the hometown heroes and local leaders that we are investing in to do the work. If they are traumatized, how are we going to win? I mean, absolutely.
10: I mean, it's, it's embedded in us and especially in my neighborhood, um, It was just all black people, and so our only interaction um, with white people were the police. And when they would see us, like they would, they would pat us down. It wasn't like nice. It wasn't like they wouldn't ask us how our day was. And so we grew up this way. And then when stuff would happen in our neighborhood, like say it was a shooting or something like that, and like folks or like neighbors would call the police, it'd take them like thirty-five minutes to get there, twenty minutes, or maybe sometimes they didn't even show up. And so this was our relationship with them um, growing up and so it's just like naturally like and then we see people on, on tv getting shot by police like all the time and so it's just something that's like it's a survival mechanism to just be like you know worry of the police
11: if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers
12: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
3: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands.
9: And John McCrae, Kevin Richardson, Raymond Santana, Corey Wise and Yusuf Salam were arrested in 1989 for beating and raping a white woman in New York City's Central Park. She came to be known as the Central Park jogger. The five boys were all black and Latinos between the ages of 14 and 16. Their arrest made national headlines. They initially confessed, but soon they recanted, insisting they had admitted to the crime under the duress of exhaustion and coercion from police officers. But
8: their convictions were vacated in 2002, when the real rapists came forward and confessed after the five had already served jail terms up to 13 years. The four Netflix series, created, written, and directed by Ava DuVernay, follows the five
2: teenagers from that fateful night in the park. Black men are among the most entrepreneurial, creative, and artistic, you know, uh, people on this planet. And because many of the systems we are thrust into are ones that uh, are not optimized for us, uh or the, their systems where we don't always fit in uh black men are often disregarded as just being you know uh, a bunch of lawless uh criminal people who um who are just you know who, who who don't who don't know how to live orderly lives or don't care to live orderly lives that 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 were uncouth and that were we're uncontrollable that were wild um and i think i think that's a misunderstanding I, I think there's something in the spirit of black men that that it, that, that is made to be nonconformist. Uh, that that is made to be a rebel in the most awesome of ways. And I, I think you know when we when we look at criminal statistics, for instance, and and we make generalized observations about black men, I think I, I think I think it's easy to look at that on the surface and say, ah, yeah. Look at these stereotypes over here. Look at these guys just being wild and violent and dealing drugs. And what I see as I see creators with an immense amount of entrepreneurial potential, but who have not yet discovered or, or or been taught of a context where they're optimized to thrive.
14: Everyone is creative by nature. And if you just ask any first grade class, who wants to come up to the front of the room and draw me a picture? How many hands goes up? Every single hand goes up. And then you ask the same group in sixth grade, half as many hands, the same group when they're seniors. And if you're lucky, if two or three people want to sort of stick their neck out. Now that's a cultural thing that it shows us that creativity is not something that's bestowed on us at birth. It's not some magical fairy dust that some people receive and others don't. That creativity is a birthright. Everyone has it by nature. In fact, we are creating machines as humans. So why negate that? Why try and pretend that that doesn't exist? Rather, let's lean into that and say that, okay, if we understand creativity is more than just art, it's combining anything to make things new and useful. It's the solution to every problem that we will ever know. That creativity is a habit, not a skill. Why wouldn't we train that? And what I'm trying to get us to do is lean into that—that that it's not fickle or whimsical or naive to pursue the thing that you love, or in fact, creativity. That it's actually the most practical thing that you can pursue.
10: The envy that we have, and the keeping up with the Joneses that we have in real life, and 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 what drives the the machinery of consumerism. Uh, like it follows into business we kind of keep up with the digital joneses or the business joneses and we see people like elon musk and think like oh i want to be a business person so i need to like emulate him and he works he believes that you have to work 80 plus hours a week he has a couch in his office that he sleeps in i have a couch in my office too but i use it for naps and netflix (laughs) And he feels like he can't take a vacation because the last two times he took a vacation, his rockets had malfunctions or exploded. And he hasn't, in his brain, he hasn't figured out like the difference between correlation and causation. Mm -hmm. But this is like, this is the narrative in, in the business world. I was at the dentist the other day and there was a BC, I live in British Columbia, BC. So there's there's a business magazine, BC business on the On the table beside the desk in the waiting room, and I, I can't. It said growth or grow. I think three or four times on the cover alone, Mm. because we just equate this idea like, oh, well, more is better, and like bigger is better, and it's not, it's it's not actually the case. Like, there's, it's just, it's just what gets talked about the most. But even if we look at any aspect of the news cycle, what gets talked about the most isn't always the most logical, or isn't always the best, or isn't even the the nicest mm-hmm. <laughs> especially in the news and so just like looking at the looking at research and stuff i just found like there's so many businesses that decide not to grow and end up doing well or they're do, they're making so much money that they don't care about getting pressed because it doesn't matter because it's so profitable and i just think that uh, so a few points on that i think first that success is personal like if we look to somebody else and want to want to mirror our lives to theirs, we better hope we like what the outcome is. One, if we succeed, and if we fail, we better not feel bad at chasing
15: something we probably didn't want in the first place. One of the things that all those conditions has in common is perfectionism, perfectionistic thinking, and the, and the, and one of the kind of academic clinical definitions of perfectionism is it's somebody that has unusually high expectations for success and kind of repeatedly fails to hit those. Um, uh, markers for success so they, they continue continually feel like they're a loser and they're a failure and that's what our culture does these days it sets an unusually high marker for success it, it presents us with this um, perfect self on tv on radio on the internet and social media and it says if you're not this person you have failed so if you're not Beyonce <laughs> is the message if you're not Steve Jobs then you're doing something wrong and that is um, incredibly toxic it really, really is incredibly toxic because it's not true um, uh, and, uh, and what, what happens is that people blame themselves. They think, well, I'm a failure and, and, then, and then that's when you get this whole raft of terrible kind of psychological disorders.
12: How I measure my life is based on the, the, the small changes, the, like, those, the, the, like the small hinges that you're able to mm. provide for other people so that their doors can swing wide open. I just think there's always more money to be made. I think there's always different jobs to get. I think there's always more weight to lose. Like, I think that there's always more stuff to buy. Like, you can never catch up. And I think that, I think that in, it, it, there are these four words in the English language that I think kill our dreams and make us unhappy before they even exit our mouths. Like, when they first cross our minds, this I'll be happy when... Right, I'll be happy when I get the job. I'll be happy when I graduate from college. I'll be happy when I get promoted. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when I get divorced. I don't like just be happy now. And I think that um, I come from a long line of women who have a very hard time leaving lunch before planning what we're going to eat for dinner. You know, I sit on on the beach in <laughs> the vacation. I turn to my husband I'm like, "Where are we going to go next?" And he's like, "Just can we just be here <laughs> right now?" And so I, I I'm I think a great measurement for our life is to think about how we can be happy in the now a little bit more.
8: It's the answers to these questions that are leading us to places that are causing us to be like rats on a hamster wheel in so many different ways, not just monetarily. So what if everything we've been taught about money and making it, and I put that in air quotes, um, because I mean it both literally and figuratively, is just all wrong. What if success as defined by modern society is really nothing more than a recipe for disconnection from self and others, community, life overall. What if instead of always looking for more, which is sort of part of the American dream, you can fill in the blank, whether it's more money, more fame, more status, um, more house, more car, we focused on optimizing our own definition of enough and i think a that could have such a huge impact on the planet just from a variety of different you know global climate change issues if we weren't consuming as much but big more importantly i think it would have a huge impact on our happiness if we all thought about those three questions and talked about them more because i think um, it is wrote answers to those to the reverse of those questions that have led so many of us to spend in a way that um,
16: doesn't make us happy. But it's fear. And I think if we all stopped to say, "What's worth more than this fear right now? It's worth it for me to get really embarrassed when I take a risk, because on the other side of that risk could be a huge opportunity, could be a great relationship, could be a new friendship, could be, who knows, money. Like, it's worth it for me to feel stupid or get embarrassed or fall on my face. But you have to know that there's something at the end of that. Like, if you're just a, a regular person and I'm not saying I'm not regular, but I'm saying if you're just a person who's like, who doesn't know that you can take feeling stupid or getting embarrassed because there's something on the other end of that risk, you're not going to take the risk. You're just going to coast. You're just going to coast. And then for me, what coasting looks like is I just, I've become so small I become so, so small of a human being. And I I, I cannot think, I just, I, I the visual that I have of myself right now when I am not in feeling open and feeling this way is sh- a shriveled little raisin, a brown little raisin. And I just don't want to live life like a little raisin.
17: There's the person I'd like to be. And there's the person that I, sometimes or often am, right? And in Buddhism, we're taught to let go of attachment to the beliefs and to the person that I'd like to be, because attachment can lead to self-denigration and self-criticism and challenges to our own sense of self-worthiness, because we are never going to achieve perfection in who we'd like to be. And the world is never going to be perfect. And the world is never going to be what in our heart we'd like it to be. But that doesn't mean we give up. And so you strive without attaching your sense of self-worth to attainment of the goal so that you can be okay. So we strive because there's meaning and purpose in the striving. We strive because magic shit happens when we strive. But when we fail, we remember that we tried. And we pick ourselves up and we dust ourselves off and we try again. And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. To me, that's much more glorious than perfect attainment of every single wish, dream, and goal.
13: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row?